I spy with my little eye an almost normal recording schedule. That only took five weeks. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week five of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason, being recorded at 11.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. That's as close to a regular recording schedule as I have had all season long. Hooray! And yet somehow it still got screwed up by a very loud construction directly across the street from me. So we're down in the basement again. I will inform you if the freezer kicks on behind me as if you would need to be. So last week, obviously very weird week in the NFL, our first COVID outbreak. We're seeing how teams and the league as a whole are dealing with that. But we went nine and six straight up in the 15 games that it became. It started the week as 16, but became 15. Nine and six straight up has me 42, 20 and one on the season. Against the Spread had the first under 500 week that we have had against the Spread here on the show, 7 and 8 in the 15 games, so we're still 10 games above 500 against the Spread on the season, 36, 26, and 1. On the totals, had an above par week, 7, 6, and 2 on the over-unders, which means we're still three games south, but we made up a little bit of ground anyway, 29, 32, and 2. Fairly average week for the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. Went three and one straight up with Philadelphia's big upset of the San Francisco 49ers, 25 to 20. We uh, got nothing on the silver pick except pushing on the total of exactly 45 points. Platinum pick did fairly well. Gold pick did fairly well. Bronze pick actually swept. That was the Baltimore Ravens beating Washington 31 to 17. They covered minus 13 against the spread and the game stayed under 51 points. So we had a bright spot there. Taking a peek at both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Anti and Co. straight up pick'em pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I sit in 12th place all alone out of 38, with 386 of 528 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 73.1%, and if I keep that up all season, I should be right there among the top. I brought in 82 of 120 possible confidence points in week 4. That's a 68.3% clip, so around average. Shout out to our week four winner, Justin V, who went 10 and five straight up in week four, but managed the confidence points very, very well. 101 out of 120 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 84.2%, and it was good enough to win week four. Nick Foles for MVP remains our overall leader, 44-18-1 straight up on the season, 417 out of 528 possible confidence points, nearly an 80% clip, it's exactly 79%. 
In the ante and co pool, I sit in a tie for 10th place out of 33. So we're just outside the top 10 or just inside the top 10, I should say, with my 42 straight up correct picks this season in the 63 games. That is exactly two out of three, which ain't bad. Went nine for 15 in the games in week four. That's exactly a 60% clip and we're okay with that, all things considered. COVID Picks is the winner of week four. Got 12 of the 15 games correct. That's a clip of 80% and that's a good week no matter how you slice it. Tensa and Gavin O'Connor remain the overall leaders, both with 45 correct straight-up picks so far on the season, so three better than yours truly. That's a clip of 71.4%. So shout-out to Justin V and COVID Picks for winning Week 4, and Nick Foles for MVP, Tensa, and Gavin O'Connor for being the overall leaders in the pools. In the anti and co-survival pool, we lost a couple more from last week. Now only 18 of 25 remain in that double elimination survival pool. Six teams sit with one strike, including yours truly. I took the Rams last week. They won their game relatively comfortably, I feel. So look, we're still alive in the anti and co-pool. There's still plenty of people alive in that pool, but you got to feel relatively confident. Taking a peek now into Fantasy Corner to see how my six fantasy football teams did in week four action. And it was like my third straight week of being, you know, kind of underwater here. Like I went 6-0 and oh in week one. And since then, it's been a real, real struggle. Only two and four in week four action. Now, one of those two wins was what I would consider the most important one, which is my league, the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League. I picked up the win over Half Moon's picks. That moves me to a perfect four and O oh in that league. I still lead in first place. Uh, in the uh, NFL U2 Prognosticators League, Another loss, my third straight loss, this one coming to Chalupa Batman. I'm now 1-3 and three in that pool. I got a Week 5 matchup against uh, Jamie Brunt in the Professionals Dynasty pool and Gracie Manor Ghouls in the Progs League. It's a projected win in the Dynasty League, another projected loss in the Progs League. So I, I, can't, I cannot afford to go 1-4 and four in that pool, so I got plenty of work left to do. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week five in the NFL. You can find information on joining either the Bridgewater's Finest or Anti and Co. Pick'em Pools. Remember, we are doing a draw for a free bag of any tea that Nerd Teas sells once the Bridgewater's Finest pool gets to 50 people. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. And you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Teas. As if you didn't know, folks, nerdtees.ca is the place you need to go. Find all of your great gifting suggestions for Christmas, which is going to be here before you know it. Nerdtees.ca, hit that promo code, which is BWFinest, and you are going to save 15% at checkout on any order that you make. You're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over $100. Today's blend, and I've never felt more Nova Scotian than I do while I'm drinking a delicious hot cup of blueberry tea. For those that don't know, Nova Scotia, famous for their wild blueberries.
nerdtease.ca, plug in that promo code BWFINEST, save your money, get your free shipping in Canada, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love, you can do it at nerdtease.ca. Another 15 games on the slate for week five. The Packers and the Lions are the two teams on the bye this week. And you're looking at a ton of games that feature back-to-back road teams like they did a couple of weeks ago. No such teams last week. But in week three, teams on back-to-back, the tail end of back-to-back roadies, I should say, were 4-2-1 and one straight up and 5-2 and two against the spread. That is definitely atypical, but it will be something to watch this week to see if that becomes a trend. Without further ado, let's get into the games for week five. We're going to start things off in Chicago. The Chicago Bears playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now Chicago, both of these teams actually, 3-1. and Tampa Bay leading the NFC South. Chicago in second place to my Green Bay Packers in the NFC North. The Bucks have won three straight football games after dropping their first game of the season, while Chicago lost their first of the year last week. Of injury concern for the Bucks, and it could be a relatively serious concern considering how Tom Brady was starting to incorporate him a little more in the offense, it's tight end O.J. Howard. He has more than likely ruptured his Achilles tendon, which would end his season. That would certainly be an uptick in terms of Cameron Brait, as well as probably Rob Gronkowski. But again, Gronkowski is one of the weirdest, most interesting cases in the entire NFL this year. But O.J. Howard more than likely rupturing his Achilles, likely done for the year. You know, I did a TikTok talking about the uh, Bears and Colts game from last week. And if you're not following me on TikTok, feel free to do so at Bridgewater's Finest. But I did a TikTok where I said, Chicago is the definition of an average football team. And that's really what they are. Their offense, it's average. Their defense, it's average. Their special teams, it's average. That's about it. Like, they're an average football team across the board. And at the very least, there are certain things that the Tampa Bay Bucks do exceptionally well. And obviously it starts with the quarterback, but there are just a number of things. There are parts of that defense that are exceptionally good. And I'll take certain exceptionary talent over an average, literally average football team. I'll take that pretty well any day of the week. I like the Bucs here, even though the game's in Chicago. Let's take Tampa on the road to beat the Bears. On the line, the Bears are five and a half point dogs at home, which initially struck me as kind of a large number like five and a half points feels like a lot to lay on a road team when the teams are not crazy crazy different but I think I'm still gonna lay the points again I just I simply don't trust the Chicago Bears I don't trust that they can run the ball their receivers are good but I don't necessarily know that I can trust either one of their quarterbacks I might trust one a little more than the other but they're still talking about oh who's going to be the quarterback this week well you know if you can't decide that I don't think you're beating Tom Brady and I'm going to lay those points on Tom Brady and the Bucks. take the Bucks minus five and a half Total in the game set at 44. It's a relatively close total. I've got this capped around a mid to high 40. So I do think this climbs over by a couple of points. Let's take over 44 points in Tampa Bay, Chicago. Let's go. Bucks 27, Bears 20. 
Let's go to Atlanta now. Falcons going to play host to the Carolina Panthers, a battle of the NFC South. Panthers sitting at 2-2 two and two on the heels of two straight wins. Their second place in this division now. Teddy Bridgewater had himself a heck of a game last week. Meanwhile, Atlanta just last night dropping yet another game. They lost to the Packers, as everyone has so far this season. But Atlanta 0-4, they are last in the NFC South obviously on a four-game losing streak. The offense looked all right, aside from the fact that Julio Jones appeared to have re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and he left the game. I don't believe he returned. So, like, that that's obviously a huge hit. And you saw what happened when Julio came back. Calvin Ridley got almost completely taken out of the game plan. I don't know if that was by design, or the Packers were doing something specific on the defensive side, but... I mean, I think he was only targeted maybe a handful of times. I don't think he had a catch. So without Julio in the lineup, which I have to assume Julio's not going to play, I imagine you'll see a lot of Calvin Ridley because it's not like the Panthers' defense is unbeatable. But I'm going to take Carolina here. I genuinely think Carolina, top to bottom, is the better football team. And Atlanta's just decimated on the defensive side. I can't trust them until I see it. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers on the road in Atlanta to beat the Falcons. Certainly doesn't help, too, that the Falcons come in on the short week. On the line, the Falcons are still getting three and a half points as a home favorite, which I don't particularly understand. I like the Panthers to win outright, so give me Carolina plus 3.5. Total in the game set at 54.5 points. I expect Teddy Bridgewater to have a very good game. Matt Ryan, I expect him to have a good game as well. I got this thing capped at a high 50, pushing a 60. So even though it's 54.5 points, I still feel good about telling you to take the over here. Again, Atlanta's uh, almost a JV team on defense right now. So take over 54.5 points in Carolina, Atlanta. Let's go Panthers 34 Falcons 26. Let's go to Tennessee now. Titans and Bills and oh man, is there ever a lot of moving parts to this game. Starting with the obvious, Tennessee didn't play last week because of their COVID situation. Theirs is the first big outbreak that the NFL is having to deal with this season. Upwards of 20 positive tests for the Titans. Now it is worth pointing out Today is the second straight day with no more positives coming out of Tennessee. So that's a very good thing. Among those 20 or so positive tests come eight from Tennessee's 53-man roster. The vast majority have come on the defense. The only significant offensive piece that I've seen is Adam Humphreys with a positive test. That doesn't mean that he's symptomatic. It just means he tested positive. Both teams come into the game undefeated. Buffalo's 4-0, they're leading the AFC East. Tennessee's 3-0, they're leading the AFC South. Obviously, the COVID situation is a significant one to watch. But then, when you take a look at the Bills, the Bills have some injury issues here. Both of them coming on the defensive side. Defensive back Levi Wallace, he injured his ankle. Right now, he's being considered week-to-week. Also being considered week to week, once again, is linebacker Matt Milano. I believe he had a pec injury coming out of the game last week. So Buffalo's defense, I don't think they've lived up to snuff. Certainly not up to their preseason billing so far this year. It's definitely hurting them that, you know, they're they're losing all these pieces off the defensive side. The Bills are also entering the game on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They're the first such team that we uh, experience so far 
in the show. And there's a lot of things going against both teams. The old adage is, well, somebody has to win. And when you look at two unbeaten teams, these are two very deep teams, both of which are capable of winning a football game under arguably the worst of circumstances. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans in this game. I know both of these teams have a potency to put up points. Not my only concern really is with Buffalo on the defensive side coming off their second straight road game. I don't know that they will have what it takes to stop the most dynamic player on either side. And that to me is still Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is the player. I mean, Josh Allen might have something to say about that, but I still think Derrick Henry is the one player on both sides who is the most explosive. So I'm going to take his side. I'm going to take the home team here. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans, assuming this game happens, of course. Let's take the Titans at home to hang the first loss of the season on the Buffalo Bills. On the line, Tennessee right now actually a one-point dog at home. I like them to win. Give me the point. Total in the game set at 49. I actually have this capped pretty darn close to where I capped Carolina and Atlanta. I've got this thing at a high 50, maybe even pushing 60 points. So if you're going to give me a 40, I'll say thank you very much and I'll take the over. We're going to go over 49 points in Buffalo, Tennessee. Let's go Titans 30 Bills 29. Let's have this thing come down to the wire. Let's go to Kansas City now where the Chiefs enter a game off the short week having played last night on Monday Night Football. They play host to division rival Vegas, an all AFC West matchup. Las Vegas comes into this game at 2-2. Two and two. They are second in the AFC West. They started the season hot but have since dropped back-to-back -back games. Kansas City, they're one of the NFL's unbeaten still at 4-0. Obviously, they are leading this division. No real injury concerns on either side. And straight up, you look at this both of these teams, these rosters top to bottom. The Kansas City Chiefs are one of the deepest and best teams in the NFL. We saw good things out of the Raiders for the first two weeks. We're starting to see them slip back into becoming the Raiders. And that's obviously very concerning when you're about to play one of the best teams in football. Obviously, I like Kansas City here. They got off to a really, really slow start in the game last night. But I mean, that was against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And that's obviously an impeccably coached football team. I don't necessarily know that the Raiders are an impeccably coached football team. That's nothing necessarily against Gruden. I just, you know, I have my concerns. We're going to take the Chiefs here for sure in their own building. Chiefs beat the Raiders. On the line, however, the Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites right now. That's too many points for me in a division game. The Raiders have shown that they can score some points. And they've actually shown that comparative to last year, they can actually play a little bit of defense. With Kansas City's slow starts, and you've seen it a couple of times this season... 12 and a half points, maybe I'm a sucker for this, but I don't think the Raiders are the Jets, right? Like, I mean, this is the kind of number that I would expect against the Jets or that I would expect against, you know, Miami. Like, I would, they're not that team. The Raiders are better than that. So 12 and a half points to me, it's just too many. I'm going to hedge my bets here and I'm going to take the Raiders plus 12 and a half. Total in the game set at 56 points. This is pretty darn close. I have this capped at a mid-50. So this is kind of a 50-50 number for me. 
I think I got to slide over on it just by a couple of points. We know both of these offenses are capable of putting up points. Let's go over 56 in Las Vegas, Kansas City. Let's go Chiefs 34, Raiders 24. Speaking of the Jets, let's go to New York. The Jets are going to play host to the Arizona Cardinals. Jets coming into this game off the long week after having gotten kind of embarrassed by Denver, let's be perfectly honest. Arizona coming in on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Neither one of these teams going in the right direction right now. Arizona started the season 2-0. They currently sit 2-2 in the basement of the NFC West, having dropped their last two football games. By the way, Freezer activated. I'm going to tilt over to the side here in the hopes that maybe the microphone picks up a little bit less of that. Jets currently sit in the AFC East basement, still waiting for their first win of the NFL season. No real injury concerns here on either side, although Kenyon Drake did have a bit of a scary moment late in the Cardinals game last week, so you may see like Chase Edmonds who may come up and have some value in this game. You know, if you're playing like kind of relatively deep in fantasy, Chase Edmonds may have some value this week, especially if Kenyon Drake kind of re-aggravates something. Maybe he comes out of the game for a little bit. I mean, the run game for Arizona hasn't been that great all season, but anything that limits Kenyon Drake is certainly going to limit their upside offensively. So I had a big crazy upset last week when I took Miami to beat Seattle. That one didn't work out. I got another one here for you. I think the Jets get their first win of the season. I think it happens this week. I think they beat the Cards. I think there's just enough going against the Arizona Cardinals in this game. And I think this is one of those games that they're going to look at and kind of look ahead a little bit. I think they're going to overlook the New York Jets. And the Jets have to be playing desperate football. They're still winless. Like, they have to be desperate to try to get at least one win. I don't have a great reason as to why I'm doing it. Their defense is not playing well. The offense isn't playing great either. I just think the Jets come up and steal this one. I'm going to take the Jets at home to beat Arizona. On the line, the Jets are six and a half point dogs at home. Maybe this contributes to it a little bit. That smells a little fishy to me. Like, would the Cardinals be laying nine and a half points at home against the Jets right now? That's a lot of points for this Cards team, especially that's dropped two games in a row. That number just looks fishy to me. I like the Jets to win outright, but I think one way or the other, you probably take the points on this one. Go Jets plus six and a half. Total in the game set at 47 points. This is like a true 50-50 coin flip. This feels like one of those games where somebody's going to get half pointed one way or the other. I'm going to tell you to stick under on it. We're going to go under 47 and a half points in Arizona, New York. Jets 24, Cards 23. Let's go to another matchup featuring a team on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, that team being the Philadelphia Eagles, who now travel to Pittsburgh to play state rival, the Steelers. Now, of course, there's an airplane coming in overhead because the universe hates me. The Eagles currently lead a truly, truly pitiful NFC East at 1-2-1 and one on the tail end of getting their first win of the season last week, the aforementioned big upset against the 49ers. Steelers, meanwhile, sit at 3-0. They lead the AFC North. Obviously, Pittsburgh did not get to play last week because they were supposed to play Tennessee, but they have won, obviously, their last three football games. They've looked good, certainly, on the defensive side. 
as if the Eagles didn't have enough just in the public consciousness going against them, dealing with yet another injury on the defensive side. It's safety Rudy Ford, who injured his hamstring. He did not return, and per Coach Peterson, he's likely going to miss some time. Rudy Ford has been one of the better defensive players for the Eagles so far this season. Missing him at the safety position, that means a lot. Obviously, the Steelers are a well-rested team not having to play last week. That you know, It'll be interesting to kind of watch and see how that manifests itself later in the season where they had to take their bye week so early, but I don't think that's going to uh, lead to any kind of negativity in this game for the Steelers. We got to take Pittsburgh in this game for sure. Let's take the Steelers at home to beat the Eagles. Just too much going against Philly. On the line, the Steelers are laying a full touchdown at home, minus seven. This feels like a realistic number to me. I'm going to lay those points. Let's take Pittsburgh minus the full touchdown. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I only have this thing capped at a mid to high 30. I've been very impressed with what the Steelers have done on the defensive side so far this year. So let's stick under 44.5 points in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Let's go Pittsburgh 28, Philly Nine. Let's go to Washington now where the football name Team TBDs, I can, I can never get it right. I might as well just stop saying it. Washington's going to play host to the Los Angeles Rams, one of the, I would argue, probably the better teams in football right now. Rams enter the game at three and one, second place in the NFC West. And look, they lost two weeks ago. They got back on the happy side last week. The Rams, a strong performance. Meanwhile, Washington coming off of that season opening win, that surprise win against Philadelphia, they now sit at one and three. They're third in the NFC East. They've dropped three straight games. Washington's done some good things on the defensive side. And I think as a whole, they can look at their defense and say, yo, that's better than we thought they were. That offense is just not doing anything with Dwayne Haskins. Like Terry McLaurin had a good game last week. And that's about where it ends. <laughs> like, they, they're not getting much of anything in the run game. It's, I don't know, that, that's, that, that offense needs a punch. And I don't think they're going to get it in enough time to have anything on the Los Angeles Rams. So let's take the Rams on the road in Washington to beat the football team. On the line, the Rams are laying minus nine as a road favorite in Washington. It's worth pointing out Washington's 2-2 two and two against the spread this year. Both of their covers have come at home as a relatively big underdog. I think it was 5.5 points and then whatever it was, it was like 13 or 14 or something like that. So both of their covers have been as home underdogs. I think they do it again. 9 points feels a little too much for me. Like the Rams, again, I think they're one of the better teams, but... Washington's done some good things on the defensive side. I think they can do enough to keep it within nine points. So let's take those points, take Washington plus nine. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. This is another 50-50 number. This is right about where I personally cap this thing. I'm going to slide over on it, but I feel like there's a half point possibility here one way or the other. Take over 45 and a half points in Washington Los Angeles, let's take Rams 26, Washington 20.
Let's go to Baltimore now for another division matchup. Ravens playing host to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow fresh off of his first win as a professional quarterback in the NFL. Cincinnati now 1-2-1 and one on the season. They still sit in the basement of this division, the AFC North. But hey, getting your first win, God, that's got to feel good for a rookie. In just his fourth game, I think Burrow's happy with that. Meanwhile, Baltimore rebounded nicely from their loss two weeks ago to Kansas City. They now sit at 3-1, and one, but they're only third place in this division. This division's actually pretty good right now. No significant injury concerns one way or the other. This has to feel like a layup for Baltimore in a lot of cases, but this Baltimore offense is not what it was last year. And yes, the thing that they do incredibly well, which is run the football, is what Cincinnati does incredibly poorly on the defensive side. Taking all of that into account, I still think this is a closer football game than a lot of other people do. Cincinnati's running the ball fairly well themselves, despite the fact that their O-line is still atrocious. I gotta like Baltimore to win the game, I just think it's going to be closer than a lot of other people do. Let's take Baltimore to beat Cincinnati at home. On the line, Baltimore's laying almost two full touchdowns. They're laying 13 and a half points at home. And just like what I said about the Raiders and the Chiefs, this is too many points for me in a division game. I think Joe Burrow keeps this thing relatively close, even if it's a garbage time sort of thing. I gotta take those points. Take Cincinnati plus the 13 and a half. Total in the game set at 51 points. This is another 50-50 number for me. It's right around where I cap it personally. I'm going to slide over on the 51 just because, look, Baltimore's offense has the potential to blow up at any time. I think Cincinnati's going to score their points in this game as well. Let's go over 51 points in Cincinnati-Baltimore. Let's take Ravens 28, Bengals 24. Let's see a football game here. Let's go to Houston now where we are going to see what is probably going to be the single most painful to watch football game of this week. The Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars and all the news coming out of Houston. But in due deference, we'll start with a Jacksonville team that has now dropped three consecutive games after winning their season opener. They're at one and three, third place in the AFC South. I'll mention this is a battle of the basement dwellers in the AFC South because Houston, 0-4, fourth straight loss. Obviously, they are in the very basement of this division, and that cost Bill O'Brien his job, both as head coach and GM. And all I can say about that is probably should have happened a year ago. Think about it. If that happened a year ago, you'd still have DeAndre Hopkins. Furthermore, injury concerns on both sides. For Jacksonville, it's a big one. Miles Jack, their linebacker, their elite-level linebacker, he injured his ankle. He didn't return. You got to consider him questionable. He has not yet been ruled out. And on Houston's side, kind of the same deal. A guy you have to consider questionable, tight end Jordan Akins. He suffered a concussion on a hit that I believe got, uh, it was one of Minnesota's linebackers, Harrison Smith, I think it was, got him ejected from that game. Uh, Aiken suffered a concussion on that hit. You got to consider him questionable for this game. You also got to consider that the Jags are coming in on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Historically, not the greatest road team we've ever seen. Uh, this is going to be a garbage football game. I, I, there's no other way to put it. This is going to be a bad football game. 
When I saw this game on the schedule for this week, I made a commitment and I'm sticking to it. Whoever is the underdog, I'm taking them to win. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to simplify this as much as I possibly can. And when the game is this bad, why shouldn't I? Whoever the underdog is, I'm taking them to win. And the underdog in this game, mystifyingly, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's take Jacksonville on the road in Houston to beat the Texans. And the true ridiculousness of this, the Jags are six and a half point dogs. It's not like they're plus one or plus one and a half or like it's within a field goal. No, six and a half points. That's ridiculous. Anybody that will lay six and a half points on the Houston Texans right now needs their head examined. Even if it works out, it was still a bad play. So we're definitely taking the points. Jacksonville plus six and a half. Total in the game set at 54 points. I have this thing capped like in the 30s, in the low 30s, mind you. So I don't know where this number comes from, but we're definitely going to stick under 54 points in Houston, Jacksonville. Let's go Jags 17, Texans 14. Let's go to Cleveland now for a battle of two teams entering this week on three game win streaks, the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts. These two teams, very similar at first. They're both 3-1. and one. They're both second place in their respective divisions. They're both on three-game win streaks. They've certainly done it in very different ways. Cleveland with the offense, Indy with the defense. And given that that's the case, awful cataclysmic injury news on both sides. Starting with the Colts, linebacker Darius Leonard. He injured his groin. He did not return to the game last week. You have to consider him questionable, although once again, he has yet to be ruled out. And on Cleveland's side, running back Nick Chubb spraining his MCL in that game last week. He is on IR. He's going to be out several weeks. It is Kareem Hunt time in Cleveland. If you're lucky enough to have him on a fantasy roster, that man's going to be like, Easy, easy RB1 value in fantasy. He's got RB2 value as a quote-unquote backup. Uh, Even with the injury to Darius Leonard, and honestly, I think Darius Leonard will probably play. Even with the injury, I've still got a skew on Indy's defense because they're so far and away among the best defenses in football, if not the best defense in football right now. The Colts are what I thought the Bills would be, and vice versa. Colts are playing incredible defense right now, especially against the pass. Baker Mayfield is going to have a rough go of things in this game. I'm going to take the Colts on the road in Cleveland to beat the Browns, despite the fact Indy's on the tail end of back-to-backs. On the line, the Browns are two and a half point dogs at home. I like Indy to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's lay those two and a half points. Take Indy minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. I've only got this thing in like the mid 30s. So you're going to give me a mid to high 40. I'll say thank you very much. We'll go under 47 and a half points in Indianapolis, Cleveland. Let's go Colts 21, Browns 13. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for a strange week five is the New Orleans Saints at home taking on the LA Chargers. Chargers enter this game with a couple things going against them. They're on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They're only one and three. They've lost three straight games since losing their season opener. Justin Herbert, I thought he's played quite well but they lost arguably their biggest or second biggest piece on offense, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Saints enter the game at 2-2. Two and two. They're third in the NFC South, but got back on the happy side of par with their win last week. 
Like I mentioned, one of their biggest pieces for the Chargers. Now he's injured. That's running back Austin Eckler. Injured his hamstring, reportedly out four to six weeks, which means it's the Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson show at running back for the Chargers, and that really drops their offensive potency. Worth mentioning, too, on the Saints' offensive line, Ryan Ramchek suffered a concussion last week. He did not return to the game. Got to consider him questionable as he's in concussion protocol now. I'd give it probably a 50-50 that Ramchek plays. I might consider this as an upset play if the game was in Los Angeles. It's not. It's in New Orleans. Too much going against the Chargers in this one. Let's take the Saints at home to beat the Chargers. On the line, New Orleans laying seven and a half points against the spread. And I think I've got to lay that. Like, I think that's a justifiable number, especially with the idea that, you know, Michael Thomas might be back this week. And especially if he's back and he's going at close to 100%, like Drew Brees is going to be the happiest guy in New Orleans because he's he's got his favorite toy back. I'm going to lay those seven and a half points, but I do think that number is probably going to shrink between now and game time. So if you can get that under a touchdown, definitely grab that. Total in the game set at 52 points here. I've only got this thing capped at like a high 30 pushing into the 40s. So I got to stick under on this one. We're going to go under 52 points. I think that's the third straight under we're taking in Los Angeles, New Orleans. Let's take Saints 24, Chargers 16. All right, here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week five in the NFL. Starting at the bottom with the bronze pick where I am a perfect 4-0 straight up. Even money 2-2 two two against the spread and 3-1 and one on the totals. Bronze pick's been paying off this year. My bronze pick sees the New England Patriots at home taking on the Denver Broncos. Now, the Patriots enter this game on the short week. Denver entering the game on the long week. They are on back-to-back road games, however, and they are also dealing with a relatively significant injury, yet another one on the offensive side. Denver did pick up their first win of the season last week on Thursday Night Football, beating the Jets, putting up a ton of points in that game as well. Denver only 1-3, their third in the AFC West. The Patriots 2-2, but still second place in the AFC East. Like I mentioned, Denver losing another significant piece of their offense. That's tight end Noah Fant. He injured his ankle. He's not expected to play this week. It's also not expected to be a long-term injury. Now, they are going to get Drew Locke back this week, but Locke hasn't played in a couple of weeks. You could see some rust, and against that Patriots secondary, you don't want to come into the game rusty, especially in their building. That's why I feel pretty good about the Patriots here, despite the fact that they're on the short week, and despite the fact that I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. Brian Hoyer proved last night beyond a shadow of a doubt that he should not be seeing game action in the NFL right now. Jarrett Stidham came in, and I thought Stidham actually played all right, except for a couple of bad mistakes. So I'm looking forward to the prospects of seeing a full football game, a full 60 minutes with Jared Stidham at the helm, assuming Cam Newton will not be ready to go after being put on the COVID list. Despite all that, we are going to take the Patriots at home to beat the Broncos. On the line, the Patriots are laying eight and a half points as the home favorite. That number has come down from, I think, 10 or 11 when the line opened. I still think it's too many points. There is still that uh, that big degree of uncertainty around the Patriots. And if Drew Locke does come back, I think he'll be able to put up some points. Jerry Judy's been playing quite well this year. 
I think I'm going to hedge my bets and take those points. Take Denver plus the eight and a half. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I've only got this thing as a low 40. So we're going to stick under 48 and a half points in Denver, New England. Patriots straight up, but we're going to hedge our bets and take the Broncos plus eight and a half in a game that stays under 48 and a half points. That is the bronze pick. Let's take Patriots 25, Broncos 17. My silver pick where I'm three and one straight up, two and two against the spread, and two one and one on the total, sees the Dallas Cowboys at home playing host to the New York Giants. They're in this spot because, my God, if they can't beat the Giants. Sorry, my God, if they can't beat the Giants on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Sorry again, my God, if they can't beat the Giants on the tail end of back-to-back road games without Saquon Barkley. Giants are 0-4 and have barely put up a fight so far this season. Again, with no Saquon, it's not entirely their fault, but, you know, not great. Last in the NFC East, Dallas, despite being only 1-3, and are second in this division. They've lost two straight games, but they're still like the number one or number two total offense in football. It's the defense that has been absolute utter garbage. Now, I don't think the Giants have the weapons to fully exploit that defense like other teams have been able to do so far this season to Dallas. Basically, I really have to think twice about taking Dallas against any offense with a pulse. I don't think the Giants have a pulse. We are definitely heavily on the Dallas Cowboys in this game. Let's take the Cowboys to beat the Giants. On the line, Dallas laying almost double-digit points, despite the fact that their defense is, like, all-world terrible. I'm going to hold my nose and lay those points. I still think that number's justified. The Giants are not a good football team. They're so decimated. They're playing for the first overall pick for sure, even though they're playing for the fir- if they're playing for the first overall pick and we assume the first overall pick is Trevor Lawrence, uh, what do you do with Daniel Jones? In any case, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, laying the points, Dallas minus nine and a half. Total in the game set at 54 points. This is a close one for me. It's kind of 50-50, but I have to take the over because neither one of these defenses are very good. Dallas giving up 37 points per game through the first four weeks of the season. Now, the Giants are only giving up 24, but they've had weeks where they've given up 26 and 36, and I think that's going to be closer to the number that you're going to see. So we're going to go over 54 points in New York, Dallas. Cowboys straight up, we're going to hammer the Cowboys minus nine and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 54 points. That is my silver pick. Cowboys 33, Giants 23. My gold pick where I am three and one, both straight up and against the spread, only one and three on the total. So we certainly got some work to do there. Sees the Seattle Seahawks at home taking on the Minnesota Vikings. This might not be the greatest spot to try to take a game against the Vikings this high in my picks. Now, granted, they are only 1-3, but they did just get their first win of the season. Granted, it was against Houston. 
But this is more a credit to the Seahawks, man. Seattle, a sparkling 4-0 on the season. Russell Wilson playing out of his mind. I believe tied Peyton Manning's record for the most touchdown passes through the first four weeks of the season or something crazy like that. He's playing so incredibly well. Nobody throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson. Just absolutely unbelievable. And DK Metcalf, he's turned DK Metcalf into like a top six receiver in this league. With no injury concerns on either side, I'm going to defer to the fact that the Seahawks are playing incredible offensive football right now, the fact that Minnesota is on the tail end of back-to-back road games, and despite the fact that Seattle's defense is just awful, Russell Wilson plays them into a victory here without question. Let's take the Seahawks at home to beat Minnesota. On the line, Seahawks only laying a full touchdown. That number's justified to me. I'm going to lay those points as well. Let's take the Seahawks minus seven. Total in the game set at 58 points. This is one of the easier totals for me. I've got this game capped at a high 60 because we know what Seattle can do on offense and we know what they're not doing on defense. So let's take over 58 points in Minnesota, Seattle. Seahawks straight up. We're going to hammer the Seahawks minus seven against the spread in a game that goes over 58 points. That is my gold pick. Seattle 40, Minnesota 29. We know the Vikings defense hasn't been the greatest this year either. And the platinum pick where I'm three and one straight up and even money both against the spread and over under sees the San Francisco 49ers play host to the Miami Dolphins. Now you might ask yourself, Justin... How in the world can you justify your platinum pick being against the team that you just said was going to upset Seattle and for a team that just got upset by Philadelphia? How could you possibly do this? The answer, to quote the great Eric Cartman, is whatever, I do what I want. (laughs) It's not very often that I make myself laugh and I kind of have to cut it out, but that, that was... I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. That was that was a good reference. So, Miami coming into this game only at 1-3, third place in the AFC East. San Francisco only even money at 2-2, two two, only third in the NFC West. Here's the reason that I'm doing this. It's not that Miami's on the tail end of back-to-back roadies because they're not. It's that I know how good San Francisco is. And I saw last week, George Kittle came back with a vengeance. He had a monster football game. Debu Samuel came back and had a good game. Brandon Ayuk had a long touchdown run. They're going to get Brandon Ayuk going here before you know it. San Francisco is a better football team than their 2-2 two and two record would indicate to you. And they're going to display that this week against a Miami team that, granted, their offense is better than it has been in years past. The defensive side, they still just know. Nick Mullins is not going to have the trouble against Miami that he had against Philadelphia that actually got him benched for C.J. Beathard. I don't expect you'll see C.J. Beathard in this game. They'll give Mullins another shot here if Garoppolo's not ready to go. Let's take the Niners at home comfortably to beat Miami. On the line, the Niners are laying 9.5 points as home favorites. This number feels justified to me. It's under double digits. Let's take San Fran minus the 9.5. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. It's the, uh, you might as well end it off with another 50-50. This is a real coin flip. I'm going to stick under on it because I don't know what we're going to get from Miami. So under 46 and a half points 
in Miami, San Francisco. We're going to take the Niners straight up. We're going to hammer the Niners minus nine and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 46 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. Niners 29, Dolphins 17. There you go, folks. Those are your picks for week five in the 2020 NFL season. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. Comment of the week from the week four episode goes to my good friend, the blind Canadian cat, fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator. His comment was, this happened three days ago, Philly irritated me this week and Atlanta has irritated me two weeks in a row. Now I got to watch both in back-to-back primetime games. Why world? Why are you actively making me root for the Packers and Niners to demolish them? I don't like rooting for those teams. Why? Also, I know I'm late saying this, but why would any of y'all bet on the Thursday night game? That's just not smart money at all. And I can 100% get behind that last bit. I suck on the Thursday night games. Just historically, the last couple of years, I've been very bad trying to pick the Thursday night games. And and I know how you feel. That's the way I felt about the LA Chargers for the longest time. That like, why, like, oh, this team always, always, always lets me down because I always feel like they're better than they actually are. Blind Canadian Cat, yours is the comment of the week from week four. There you go, folks. Picks are in. Episode is in for week five. Enjoy the games. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Teas and my delicious, delicious blueberry tea. Enjoy the games once again in week five. Fingers crossed for the Tennessee Titans that they can get that football game played and fingers crossed that we don't have another outbreak for at least a few weeks. Can we just not talk about it for a couple of weeks? That would be great. Enjoy the games and we'll see you again in week six.